Hi, and welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I'm so excited to have you with me for this edition. I know it's been a while since I've been on Saturdays, but as some of you know, I am taking a small sabbatical from doing so much broadcasting to focus on my health and other issues. But I am so excited today to reintroduce to you a contributor we had on the show before. Her name, as some of you may remember, is Tracy L. Moore. And today we're going to be talking about her book, Keeping Christ in Christmas, Thought-Provoking Ideas for Making Jesus the Center of Your Child's Christmas Holiday. One of the questions that comes up to a lot of people is, how do you tell your child about Santa? And the question itself is so loaded because some kids believe in Santa, others don't. Should you tell your children the truth about Santa? These are some of the questions we're going to be delving into as I chat today with Tracy. Tracy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Parker, and thank you for having me on the show today. I'm so excited about the topic. I definitely enjoyed your book, Keeping Christ in Christmas. And for our listeners, it's available online on Amazon or wherever books are sold. As I read this rather short book, I was again blown away by your insight into this very important topic about Christmas and about who we should be focusing the holiday on. Let's just get right into it. But before I do that, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become an author? My name is Tracy Elmore, a.k.a. The Purposeful Poet, and my purpose is to encourage, uplift, and inspire people to be their best for Christ. And I always had a writing gift. I really didn't know it until, you know, in high school, one of my teachers told me she thought my paper was so good, she read it to the class, and to God be the glory. But um, after that, I kind of forgot about it. But later on in life, I always put together poems, and I would write things on napkins, piece of paper, throw them in a file. And one day, you know, my quiet time, I just said I wanted to do a, a devotional, a poetic devotional where I have poems and devotionals woven together. And so I was in a, a very stressful job. And at one point, my health was in jeopardy. I had to leave the job. And when I left, I decided I wanted to try my hand at being an author. So I pulled out my poems out of the folder and off of napkins, loaded them in the computer, did my devotionals, wrote the devotionals to go with the poems, and the book Oasis for My Soul, Points and Inspiration of Writings for Spiritual and Personal Growth was born. So that was my journey into becoming an author. And we also did a show on Oasis for My Soul. Just go through the archives on pjcmedia.net to go ahead and view it. What inspired you to write Keeping Christ in Christmas? Our Bible study was on Thursday night, and we had someone ask, should we teach our children about Santa Claus? And we had such a lively discussion about it. And once everybody went around and gave their point of view, we kind of came to the conclusion that it could be a spiritual detriment to children. And when I left there, I had that topic just and the discussion so heavy on my mind. I went to sleep thinking about it. I woke up thinking about it. Like, how can we address this? How can we make sure that kids are focused on Jesus for the holiday, the Christmas holiday. And when I woke up, God brought to my remembrance a strategy he had given me years ago because I I personally don't have children, but I had always said if I had children, there were certain things that I was going to do at Christmas time for my children to keep Jesus the focus of the holiday. And God brought all of that 
to my remembrance that morning as I woke up and I grabbed my paper and pen and I just started writing as he was downloading it to me again. And that is how I was inspired to write Keeping Christ in Christmas. Let's go back for a second. You said that it could be spiritually detrimental to a child about Santa Claus, but does it really matter if a child learns the truth about Santa Claus? I mean, most of us get over it once we learn the truth, right? Yes, and I personally learn the truth about Santa Claus, and I, I try to keep it generic as we talk about, you know, if I know kids are listening here, but it, it didn't devastate me. I was okay with it. And I've had other people say that they were okay with it. But then I've had other encounters with people who said, well, this really devastated me. It devastated me as far as being able to trust my parents. It devastated me in the sense that I didn't know what was real and what wasn't real. It can be that children get over it. I did. But if it's any chance at all that a child might be spiritually hurt by it and that their belief system, their spiritual belief system can be thrown off, their belief in a parent can be thrown off, why do we want to even risk that? Because I have a chapter in my book, it's called, Is It Worth the Risk? And I highlight one of the ladies that I interviewed who had this situation in her home and both of her kids were devastated by it. So I said, well, if there's any chance that a kid can be devastated by learning the truth, why even go there? Why not have another alternative, which is an alternative I presented in this book, that will keep their, their focus on Jesus Christ where it should be, and then they can get a good spiritual foundation in addition to that. Because I was, I was thinking the other day, I heard a statistic, it says that 66% of children who grew up in a Christian home, once they leave the house and go to college, they abandon their Christian faith. And they may come back to a late, but 66% of the kids raised in a Christian home abandoning their faith when they leave for college, I said, that is unacceptable. That is totally unacceptable. So I think that if we can get Jesus at the focus of the Christmas holiday and all year round, actually, but especially during the Christmas holiday, I think they will help parents to help their children build a good foundation and help them to be able to focus on Jesus all year round, not only Christmas, but all year round. And I think that another thing that I said, well, I think that kids abandon their faith. This is just my, my thoughts on it. I feel like if, if they have a relationship with Jesus before they leave, if, where they have quiet time on a daily basis, that makes a difference. Also, we want parents to act the same way behind closed doors as they do outside. So we just need parents to model God effectively. And I think that's an issue. And I really believe that another thing is that if children can see their prayers answered, if just like if in a household where parents, um, they have an issue, and then we pray about it as a family, and then the children see those prayers answered, they have a testimony. So when you go out to college and the professor's trying to tell you one thing about God, the child has a testimony. Nobody can take your testimony. So I think it's really important to have children have a good foundation. That's why I think keeping Christ in Christmas is a good a thing to have children focus on the, the methods that I'm teaching about in here so they can have a good foundation when they leave home. 
that their faith will still be maintained. And that is a very sobering note to hear the percentage of children who abandon their faith once they leave home and get to college. And college used to be the place where you expanded your knowledge about things. It wasn't meant to tear down your foundation. And that has been happening a lot more in modern times where some professors want to do everything they can to destroy your child's faith. So as you're saying, if you keep Christ in Christmas now, and then that also expands to year-round, all of a sudden, that foundation cannot be shaken by some professor's desire to rip your child's foundation from under them for whatever personal reasons they may have. And I often Mm -hmm. feel that may be a personal thing, that I don't believe in God. I don't want you to believe in God. So I'm Mm -hmm. going to do whatever I can to make sure you don't. Now, as one person said some time ago, Tracy, you can believe what you want. You're very much entitled to whatever you want to believe. But it's not up to you to tell me and rip my foundation out because you don't like it. You know know what I mean? (laughs) Just because you don't like it doesn't mean that. There's nothing wrong with vigorous discussion. There's nothing wrong with tackling hard topics. But for you to have a deliberate desire to destroy my child's foundation, that, I think, Mm -hmm. is the problem. And they've talked about that. It's been over the years people have Mm -hmm. talked about how college professors, for whatever reason, personal, whether it's secular or whether it's demonic influence, want to rip a child's foundation from them. And guess what? Mm-hmm. More than likely, they are successful because we as parents didn't do as much as we could have done. Now, I'm also in a position as you, Trace, where I don't have any children, but I do have nephews that I have taken care yeah. of over the years, and you pray exactly. over them constantly. And you don't want anything to happen to them. And I always say, if the, if I can't help you, if your mama can't help you, the Lord certainly can. Pray to him, Hallelujah. talk to him, and you give them that opportunity to mm-hmm. learn to depend on the one who is real, not Santa. But we're going to keep that real generic. Like I said, we don't know who's listening. But you also have advice for our parents, something they can learn when they pick up their copy of Keeping Christ in Christmas. What has been the most surprising thing you have encountered about writing Keeping Christ in Christmas? I've written two other books, Oasis for My Soul and also The Exceptional Man, Love, Poems, and Inspirational Writing, Celebrating Godly Men and Great Relationships. But this book, is it's not a long book, but it took it had the greatest amount of difficulty to publish. I felt like the enemy was fighting me tooth and nail as I tried to get this book out. I had so many obstacles to try to overcome and different mistakes that I made that I had to overcome. And I finally pushed it out. And I always say, and you know this, that when you write a book and you're publishing a book, it's like birthing a baby. That it (laughs) is. You have to push until you get it out. And so that was surprising to me, but it shouldn't have surprised me because I really think the message of keeping Christ in Christmas is so important. And I believe that God wants this to get out to the body of Christ and the enemy is going to fight me tooth and nail to stop it. And I heard the other day, John Maxwell, I believe said this, that anything that's worth doing is going to be an uphill battle. So you need to expect it to be an uphill battle. If it's something that 
God wants you to do because the enemy is going to fight you tooth and nail. And he, he's not going to roll out the red carpet and say, be my guest and tear down my kingdom. So we got to be prepared to dig in and push forward regardless, because I really feel like this book, Keeping Christ in Christmas and the message that I'm trying to give to the body of Christ, I'm praying that it will be embraced. I'm praying that it will go all around the world. I'm praying that it'll be a revolution in the body of Christ. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, God says, stop asking me little prayers. Ask me big things and let me show you what I can do. So I'm going to just believe big, try to do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do, and just expect God to take it wherever he wants to take it. Because I understand that without his favor, it's not going anywhere anyway. All I can do is what he told me to do. And without his favor, I can't go anywhere. So I'm, I'm trusting God for favor. Now, how did you come up with the title of the book? One day, I, I worked for CBN, and we were sitting in the lunchroom. I had a friend of mine who was with me, and I was just telling her about what I was going to write. I had, you know, I was in the process of writing the book, and I told her about my concept. And I said, I don't really know what I'm going to call the book. I, I really don't know what the title will be. And then she just chimed up, just as simple. Well, why not call it Keeping Christ at Christmas? And I said, oh. And so that just resonated with me so I chose Keeping Christ in Christmas and the subtitle is thought-provoking ideas for making Jesus the center of your child's Christmas holiday because I really want people to think I want the ideas that I had to be thought-provoking and maybe you know my readers maybe they haven't thought about what I've written in this way before and maybe it'll be something that will be thought-provoking I want it to be thought-provoking give people food for thought, spiritual food for thought, as far as keeping Christ at the center of the holiday. Because I thought about one day, you know, I call this the party crasher. I'm, I just want you to just picture this scenario and that your audience will picture this scenario. Let's say it's your birthday and you are in your house and you have a big sheet cake in front of you and the candles are fired up and you have all your loved ones around you standing and singing happy birthday say to you, but you just happen to leave the door open, door unlocked. I mean, we, I know we don't do that, but let's just say you left the door open. And some person came in off the street, some stranger, and said to the crowd, it's my birthday too. And so that person sits in the chair beside you, scoops you out, and, you know, everybody, your family members, your loved ones and friends had this crazy look on the, their face saying, who is this person? And then the person raises their hands and says, carry on. And then everybody starts singing happy birthday to this stranger and just leaving you to the side. And you have this look on your face. You know, how would you feel? I would imagine you would feel pretty aggravated, angry, or maybe, you know, discounted at the very least. But I said to myself, I believe Jesus feels that way every year. Because he has to share the spotlight with so much. And I say these, this was a party crash. I call this person a party crasher. But a party crasher is anything that pushes Jesus to the back burner at Christmas time. So it could be shopping. It could be cooking. It could be many things, a Santa or whatever the case may be. But anything that takes the focus and the spotlight off of Christ is a party crasher. And I'm believing that Jesus feels the same way we would, because when we have our birthday, we want to be the center of attention, right? Isn't that right? Oh, for sure. And I was actually thinking of something that I saw on television where the person tends to be very dramatic, and mm -hmm. they say, 
it's my funeral, but you'll make it your moment. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. <laughs> so I totally understand that. And I love the illustration of the party crasher because you're like, I'm sorry, who are you? And I can definitely see how that could really relate to our story here because we do want to keep Christ in Christmas because at the end of the day, he is the reason for the season. We all know that we're very familiar with that statement, but the question is, do we live as if we are? And so that brings me to my next question about how can this book parents and kids? I believe it can help parents have a better relationship at Christmas time with their children it can help children to get a good spiritual foundation. Because just like, for instance, I have a section in here where the parents and the children, they have a session where they all pray together and they pray to Jesus, pray to God about what they want for Christmas. And then we're going to expect Jesus to bring gifts. So I think that it would keep the focus on Jesus Christ and also get a good spiritual foundation. Because really, when you think about it, we should not be telling our children, our kids, to pray, or not pray, or ask somebody else for what they need and want. God says, I'm your Jehovah Jireh. He says, every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven above. So I, I just felt like it was just appropriate. And I'm in this book, I'm not coming from my own opinion. I give scriptural references, scriptural backup for why I think this is the best alternative. And with this alternative, I, I think it's good. It helps um, parents to have a good spiritual foundation for their children, helps them to keep the focus on Christ, and helps them to grow in their faith. And I believe that this is for parents, not only, um, these are for parents who are radical, <laughs> who want to raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord get a good spiritual foundation. And I know, Parker, that those individuals that are outside the church, they don't care about what I'm saying. They don't care about Jesus in the center. And I'm, that's not my audience. My audience are parents, grandparents, aunties and uncles who have little children who they want to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and get a good foundation. I believe that this book provides that alternative so that kids can get a good spiritual foundation and be have, and improve their relationship with God. I think that's very important. If we're going to raise kids that are going to hang on to their faith when they get outside the home, it's imperative that we do something different than what we're doing right now. What was fascinating is that you did research about St. Nicholas and how he evolved into the icon that he is today. And as I was reading your book, I was a bit surprised, too, because it changed from one thing to something completely different. So go ahead, share with us a little bit about what you found out. Yes, um, St. Nicholas was the original person from which Santa Claus evolved. And so St. Nicholas was a man of God. He was a philanthropist. He had signs and wonders following him, filled with the spirit. He was a man of God. They called him fiery and wiry. He was real tall and thin. He wasn't fat and jolly. And so he, his parents died at an early age and left him a lot of money. And he used his means to help other people. When he died, they, they were so, people were so appreciative of him. They gave him 
what's called a, a holiday called Feast Day, and it was on December 6th, I believe it was. And so at some point, the Pope or the Catholic Church, it was some winter festival that was going on, and they decided that Jesus' birthday was the 25th of December, which we don't know, but he decided to group the December 6th Feast Day celebrating St. Nicholas to the 25th. So that's how St. Nicholas and Christmas Day got linked. And then after uh, the Dutch people got a hold of it, they would call him St. Nicholas. And then when it got to America, it changed into, they would call him Sinterklaas, St. Nicholas turned to Sinterklaas. And then when it got to America, it became Santa Claus. And so this figure evolved because it was so many, it was poems written about him, just like Clement Clark Moore wrote a poem about um, the night before Christmas. So he added something to the mix. And then you had Norman Rockwell who did paintings of Santa. And then you had different political cartoons. So he evolved into what he is today. But in the beginning, St. Nicholas was a man of God who was about giving and making a difference in other people's lives, adding value to people's lives. And now we've evolved into something where it's just about getting gifts versus giving gifts. And I think it's so important to encourage kids to be givers. And it's nice to get gifts. It's nice to get gifts. And I believe, you know, God gives us the law of sowing and reaping. So when we sow seeds, we can expect to reap. But Jesus said himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So we need to teach kids that it's important. I know we want to get gifts at Christmas time, but it's very important that we start thinking about how can we be a gift? How can we help other people add value to people's lives during the Christmas holiday season, whether it be through volunteering or maybe giving, maybe a, a child has toys that they don't play with. And you have kids in shelters that don't have any toys that they may be willing to give some of their toys to those children. So it's just a matter of trying to shift the focus from getting so much into giving. And I think that is the spirit that St. Nicholas had in the beginning. You also mentioned, too, in your book that people spend an awful lot of time getting things for people who don't need them. And that was a very telling remark, and it reminded me of Christmas's past where mm-hmm. I am stressed out wanting to get a gift for family members, not sure yeah. what to get them, feeling bad that I can't get them the gift that I think I should get them because my finances mm-hmm are only Mm -hmm. so much, even though if they were to ask me, what do you want for Christmas? I would say, whatever you want to give me is fine. If you Mm -hmm. want to give me a hug, I'll take that too. Mm -hmm. So I really think parents and children will be blessed by the words in your book because it definitely shows that once you shift the focus from Santa to Christ, you are going to have a different attitude. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's face it, Santa gives you things that you want. You ask, and he gives them to you. But sometimes Santa doesn't always do that. Sometimes Santa fails on Christmas Day. Sometimes Mm -hmm. Santa may care about someone else more than you. Now, you may be saying, oh, that's not true. But once you pick up Tracy Moore's book, Keeping Christ in Christmas, you're going to discover several stories and examples that she used from people who she's interviewed tell these very interesting tales of when Santa failed them, as opposed to 
focusing the season on Christ and showing that Christ doesn't fail them. And so mm-hmm. we may have people in our in our audience today saying, you know what, I've already taught my child about Santa. Does it matter now? Is there something I can do? What kind of advice would you have for that particular person? I would say, first of all, kids love gifts. And as long as they have something under the tree, they don't care where they come from. They just want to make sure I have gifts under the tree. We can transition from Santa to Jesus. And and in here, I tell parents, we're not going to say about the validity of Santa one way or the other. We're just going to say, what would you like Jesus to bring you for Christmas this year? We're going to pray and ask Jesus for our gifts. And isn't it wonderful? that Jesus wants to give us gifts, and it's his birthday. So what do you want Jesus to bring you? And so we kick it off that way, just to shift their focus from Santa, not saying anything bad about Santa. We're not bashing Santa. We're just reshifting the focus to Jesus. So that's one of the things that we will say. And then another thing we I want to do also is to have the family focus on what do you want to give to Jesus? And a, and a gift to Jesus could be a monetary offering. It could be giving away toys. It could be, you know, helping a needy family. So as a family, how are we going to give a gift to Jesus? Or it could be an intangible gift of saying, I'm going to be nice to my little brother. Or I'm going to do what mom and dad tells me to do without them having to tell me two and three times. I'm going to go to bed without having uh, uh, fussing with my mother and do what she says. So there could be tangible gifts. As a toy or something, it could be intangible gifts. And those things, we need to help children understand that that's a gift you can give to Jesus as well. But to start out, we can shift the focus from Santa to Jesus and get kids to pray. And that's the other thing. When you pray and ask Jesus for your gift, that is building the spiritual discipline of prayer. It's also helping them to see their, they're going to see their needs met by their heavenly father, by Jesus. So, I mean, it just seems to me that this is such a good way to keep the mystery and the excitement. And when they go to bed, they'll be excited about what they're going to get when they get up. But they will be able to shower their attention on Jesus instead of showering their attention elsewhere. And we keep Christ at the center. To me, it's a win-win situation. I particularly liked how you said you keep the magic and the mystery there, but you don't keep the myth there. And that is very important. Oh, well, it's your words that gave the inspiration. So I think that is what makes this such an important book that I think every parent needs to have in their library. Now, what if a child says, well, what can I possibly give to Jesus? And you mentioned things like intangible gifts, intangible gifts. And Mm -hmm. You also mentioned how you say it's better to give than to receive. And I would love for you to recount just one of the stories that you shared in this small little booklet that packs a wallop about how a pair of children learned about giving than receiving. Yes, and I'm glad you asked about this. I love this story, and this is a story that a friend of mine wrote in her book. She had a book called Super Couples, A Formula for Extreme Happiness in Marriage. Her name is Dr. Christine Baker. It's an excellent book, by the way. But in this book, she had an excerpt which talked about how she and her family had adopted a family 
from the Angel Tree Ministry. And so they had gotten a, a box of gifts together for this family of six, and they had food for the family. So they were taking their girls with them. This is my friend and her husband took their girls with them, and they didn't want to go. They they really were not, they didn't have a good attitude, apparently. But they, they went anyway. So when they got to the person's house, it was this one little boy that was there, and they ended up um, bringing gifts in for the family and seeing that this little boy didn't have as much as they had. And, and when this little boy who was at home, the only person that was at home at the time, he was so happy to receive the gifts and they saw that it changed their attitude they saw how good it felt they felt good that they were able to help this little boy and so my friend called that eudaimonic happiness and eudaimonic happiness is the happiness that you get or the good feelings that you get when you are other centered when you are focused on others helping to add value to other people's lives it's called eudaimonic happiness so her kids learned that it's better to give than to receive. They felt so good that at the end, they asked her, can we do this again next year? And so she said, we will definitely do it again next year. So it just showed her kids that it is better to give than to receive. And they felt good. And I believe you, that's how we have to help children to be givers, to show them that when you give, how good it feels to give, how good it feels to be able to help somebody else. And then that will it's a reward in and of itself and that will cause them to want to be givers later on in life. But let me push back a little bit, Tracy. You say it's better to give than to receive. And you use that wonderful story to show about how the children were really impacted on giving. I can just imagine someone in our audience saying, but I want to give to my children. I want them to receive the fact that I do love them. Not every gift per se is about just making sure you have something. This is how I show love. And so are you saying that we need to only focus on giving? How do we temper our response to that? Because in, let's, let's be frank, we're selfish people. So how do we refocus <laughs> that sort of resistance to being givers but not neglecting ourselves to also receive the gift? It's important to give, but as we said before, God says when we sow, we will reap. So he's about giving to us. And our Heavenly Father says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is a giver and wants us to receive. He wants to give to his children. So I understand that we have to have a balance, but it shouldn't be all about what I get. It shouldn't be all about what I get. And I've and I believe it's okay. I'm not saying it's not okay to give to you and that um, we need to have a balance, but we need to focus on giving. And we also, it's okay to receive, but now we're going to receive from, the, from Jesus. We're going to receive in a way that's going to bring glory to God, which is we're still maintaining the focus on Jesus. And that is what's so important. That's what we've lost is this Christmas commercialism where we're focusing on the secular. We're focusing on Santa. We're focusing on running around, getting gifts. We're focusing on all the cooking and the decorating. And that's why I always say I like Thanksgiving so much better than Christmas. I hate to say it, but when you have Thanksgiving, you're focused on the food and the fellowship, and that's it. 
But when you're at Christmas time, it's just like we've added all of these things onto it. And it reminds me of the this passage of scripture, Luke 10, 38 through 42, where you have Mary and Martha and Jesus had come to visit their home. And Martha was taking all the time to do preparations. And Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus told Martha, when Martha said, well, Jesus, don't you care that my sister's not helping me? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. And you know, when Jesus calls your name two times, he's going to lay something heavy on you. All right. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. She didn't even recognize that she was worried and upset about many things. And so sometimes we need to just recognize we have stresses on us. And then he says, but only a few things are necessary. So that story, to me, is a picture of what's going on at Christmas time. We're worried and upset about many things. We're focusing on many things. He says only a few things are necessary. And that means he's saying simplify things. And then he said only one thing really is necessary, and Mary has chosen a better portion. He's saying we need to make good choices when it things that we do at Christmas time so that we can have the focus on him where it belongs. That one thing is really the focus on him where it belongs. So I think it's very important that we just sort out all of the stressors and that we make choices that will cause us to be able to focus on Jesus, whether that be giving or else receiving from Jesus as well. Because we're not throwing our own desires away, just shifting them, as you said earlier in the broadcast. Before we go, I do want you to have people know they can get in contact with you because I always enjoy when I have you on the show. And then even privately, you've also you've also helped me as well because you are a prayer warrior and you go into battle and prayer and worship and all those things. And so I definitely want you to pray for us too before you go. But I have definitely enjoyed having you today, Tracy. Just really enjoy the book, Keeping Christ in Christmas for our listeners out there. Make sure you go ahead, love on my sister, and get your copy today. So let people know how they can connect with you online. Yes, you can connect with me at my website, TracyLMoore.com. Also, at TracyLMoore1, that's Twitter, Facebook. You can just TracyLMoore. I have a personal page, Tracy Moore, and an author page, Tracy L. Moore. And also, I have a YouTube channel where I have my More Motivational Monday segments. And that's my video blog, where it's a five-minute long video where I have a poem and a mini-sermonette just expounding on the topic that I spoke of in the poem. And you can reach me on any one of those. If you want to contact me, please feel free to contact me through the website because I have a contact page there. And that's where the book is at, Amazon.com. So any of my books you can pick up on Amazon.com. So that's how you can connect with me. All right, Tracy, what I'm going to do is mute myself, and I want you to go ahead and pray as the Lord leads you. Okay, praise the Lord. And I just want to say thank you for having me on your program today and allowing me to be able to share my thoughts and my ideas with your audience today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you glory. We honor you and thank you for this opportunity 
to share on air today, God. We just give you praise and glory because you are awesome, you're mighty, you're powerful. And, Lord, we know that you want Jesus to be the center of everything we do, not only at Christmas time, but every day, all year long. And, Lord, we thank you and praise you, God, that Jesus went to that cross for us so that we can have access to your throne room, that we can have access to your power and your grace and your mercy and your favor. Lord, we don't take it for granted that he shed his blood for us so that we can have fellowship with you. And Lord, during this Christmas season, Lord, help us to be mindful to focus on Jesus. Lord, help us, Lord, to keep him at the center of our Christmas holiday. And I pray, Father, that all that have listened to this broadcast, that they will have their hearts open to receive the truths that we presented today. We're praying, God, that they would embrace this new concept, a new tradition, a new Christmas tradition, God, that they would share it with their friends, share it with their pastors, so that you can be glorified, Jesus. This is, this is not just trying to sell books. It's not about that. Lord, we're trying to get a message out so that you can be glorified, that Jesus would be the preeminent one in the midst of the celebration. So, Lord, we're just praying, God, that it will be received, it will be shared, and that it will just have a ripple effect, and it, it will end up covering the globe. Because Santa Claus is celebrated all over the globe in many countries. So, Lord, we're praying, Father, that you would move by your spirit upon the hearts of your people. And, Lord, let them have a great Christmas holiday. Let them focus on you, and, Lord, because they are giving you the preeminence that their households will even experience you on a greater level, God, a greater sense of joy, a greater sense of peace, a greater sense of unity, Lord, because you say where there is unity, you command a blessing. So we give you the praise and the glory for what you're going to do this Christmas holiday and all of the households that are represented here today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Tracy, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that powerful prayer. Thank you for making us rethink who is at the center of Christmas. And I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. It's been a pleasure. And we were talking today to Tracy L. Moore. She is an author as well as the purposed poet where she writes poetry set with purpose. Make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy of Keeping Christ in Christmas on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. I hope you definitely enjoyed this show today. And from all of us at PJC Media, have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day. And God bless.